Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. And I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are so excited to finally be talking about visions. We are like on cloud nine with visions. <laughs> I feel like it's so cool. It was very cool. Like, <laughs> I really enjoyed visions. But today we are super excited because we are, we actually, we got a chance to see visions early and we also got a chance to interview some of the producers for visions. So we interviewed James Waugh and then Kanako Shirasaki and they are both producers on visions and we got to talk with them for about 15 minutes and it was, it was so great. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. I hope you do anyway. (laughs) I thought they had really great answers and you could tell they were just so excited about this project and to finally be able to talk about it. I completely agree. I also want to mention that James Waugh is the vice president of Lucasfilm for franchise and content strategy. So in addition to being a producer, he's also worked on other parts of Star Wars. And it was really great to talk to them both. So so why don't we start there and then I'll insert the interview. And then after the interview, Caitlin and I will kind of give our reactions and a review for Visions. I think at a later date, Caitlin and I are going to do a full-on thematic deep dive of Visions because honestly, guys, we just need some time with this. You know, I think we need to comb through it and talk through it. So that'll be coming soon. And in this episode, we'll give our initial thoughts and our initial reaction. I'll also be putting this interview on YouTube as well. So you can watch us if you want. <laughs> it's so weird to yeah, say. It feels so weird. We're not we're not like live streamers. <laughs> like we could other be, podcasts. but we're not. We could be, but we're not. Um, but yeah, yeah, you can watch us nervously conduct this interview. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we kept it together and you can't even tell we're nervous, but I doubt mm. that. Anyway, here's the interview. We're so excited about it and I hope you enjoy. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Thank you so much for talking with us today. We're so excited to be here and talking with you both. Um, And this is for both of you, this first question, but let's start with Kanako. And let's start at the beginning. What was the initial pitch for Star Wars Visions? And did it stay the same? Did it change? And how so? I think it didn't change. Original pitch to this studio is like, please explore your Star Wars story and tell us what's your perspective and tell your original stories in Star Wars universe. So from the beginning, uh, 
I would stay the same and then each director did a marvelous job. Yeah, absolutely. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed getting to watch these shorts. It was such a treat. Um, James, this one is for you. Uh, It seems like creative freedom was a goal for this series. And is that true? And if so, can you expand on how that was relayed to all of the different studios creating these shorts? Yeah, it it was. Um, I I think, look, I think from the Star Wars perspective, we always want to bring the best out of talent and we always want to help them all this, how to have filmmakers tell the stories they want to tell, right? And really find a way to, to, to work. So the unique perspective with this, with this series though, was we didn't want to be in a place where they had the, they, it had to fit within the, the timeline and they had to be part of the main thrust of, of our core storytelling. So instead we wanted this to be more of a celebration of Star Wars and really our the anime studios and the filmmakers to stay within their process uh, to build anime and animation the way they normally do and approach it from that way and use any of the elements of the Star Wars galaxy they wanted, um, which really unlocked the potential of doing things like the duel, right? Like that doesn't necessarily fit on a timeline. You don't get that unless you say, or twins, you don't get those types of stories unless you say like, let's see what you can do with your form and, and, and uh, with your medium. And what would you do to celebrate Star Wars? What story do you want to tell? Um, that was really the, the, the perspective. And so, yeah, it was completely free. I think the only caveat to any of that is that we at Lucasfilm make sure we stay in dialogue completely along the way to be really good story editors and really good partners and make sure that the stories are authentic Star Wars stories and, and have the storytelling values and heart and soul that, uh, you know, defines what makes a good Star Wars story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that celebration of Star Wars is such a good way to describe it because I actually ended up watching these before Charlotte did. And I told her, I was like, it's like all of Star Wars layered on top of each other. And it's so cool how you just, you get it. Um, So I think that that celebration was, was really well conveyed in the series. Um, Our next question is for Kaneko. Um, Many of these shorts have kind of open endings. Can you talk about why some of these stories weren't given obvious quote unquote happy or conclusive endings? Particularly, I'm thinking about how the twins weren't reunited, Lop and Ocho weren't reunited. These are very kind of open-ended conclusions to these shorts. I think that's a very unique uh, storytelling of Japanese anime or maybe Japanese storytelling itself. Like I, I see like a lot of open ending, ending like leaves a room for viewers to explore or imagine what's happened next to these characters. So, um, yeah. So this is like thought we tell ask them to tell the Star Wars story, but from their own perspective. So I think that's a unique aspect aspect they brought into this uh, vision. Definitely. This is a question for both of you. Whoever wants to answer it, feel free. Uh, T Obi Wan was one of my favorite uh, my favorite shorts. I loved it so much, and I thought it was really cool. This exploration of a droid who uses the Force, right? Um, what was some of the discussion around creating this episode and exploring the concept of a droid becoming a Jedi? I think it. Um, yeah, I, I love. I mean, obviously, I love Obi Wan. Yes. <laughs> story and it's a Pinocchio story you know and it's a story about a dreamer who wants to aspire to be a Jedi and do great heroic things um but happens to be a kid or a droid um 
I think that's wonderful. And it's so fundamentally Star Wars story. Have we ever done a droid that's connected to the Force before? Can, on our core storytelling? No. Um, and I, it's a really good question of would we ever do that? I think the answer is no. Uh, but, you know, I think it would depend on the creator and, and the conversations. But th- that's usually not the way the Force works from our perspective. And uh, But... What worked here was visions. And this was also a love letter to a lot of uh, anime um, and to shows and manga that inspired it and the creators and Abel Gumbora. So it had the freedom to explore those ideas, um, you know, within the context of visions. Uh, but really our focus was the heart of it, was the Pinocchio story. Um, yes. And the story of a father and a son, essentially, even though you know it's a found father, um, you know that's the story. Um, really, more than more than the specificity of can a droid <laughs> connect with the Force and um, become a Jedi? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's nothing more Star Wars than father and son stories, in a way, you know. So that totally works. Yeah, I think that story had such this kind of beautiful whimsy to it, and especially how it was animated. It just kind of captured me immediately, and I just kind of fell into the animation, into this like very bubbly world that was created. I, I really loved it. Um, this kind of leads into my next question, which I'll go back to you, Kaneko. Um, the visual language of Star Wars is a hallmark of the franchise, and the Visions episodes really play around with this. Um, something that really stood out to me when I was watching the show was the use of color. Um, it really stood out to me. Um, notably, I guess for Ronan, was its lack of color, the twins and the dichotomy of red versus blue. And then probably one of my favorites from the series was the Ninth Jedi with the lightsabers that changed color based on the character intentions. Um, can you talk about how these episodes use the visual language of Star Wars and something like color to help tell their story? Yeah, the one thing very unique about Japanese animation is like they explore lots of colors that live action is like a little challenging to achieve. And because of the 2D animation or 3D animation, like you can do that. And like you said, the twins, they use a very flamboyant colors to show the two side of uh, characters. Nice Jedi is like they like some some like because it's animation, you can achieve that change of the color uh, and this uh, color of the lightsaber depending on the intention of the people healing that. So I think that rich history of Japanese anime art form really like uh, each director. Uh, cleverly picking up like a what expression is the be- work best for Star Wars. And also they know the Star Wars, love Star Wars very much. So I think they each of them did a very clever decision-making on how the each short would look. Definitely, I completely agree. I think that each, it felt like watching each short from one to the next. I mm-hmm. was really treated to like a buffet of color or lack thereof. It just felt like a really great sort of diversity of different yeah. styles, which is amazing. Um, I have a question for James. And I think this kind of goes to what we were talking about before about sort of like Caitlin mentioned, like layering on top of each other, like a different, the way that Star Wars feels. I, I was wondering if there was any sort of concepts that were pulled directly from like the George Lucas original drafts, 
because mm-hmm. I, I noticed that there was a lot of emphasis on the kyber crystals, which were pretty notably heavily included in the original drafts of George Lucas's Star Wars. And was there any sort of like touching upon those like original elements um, when exploring these stories? Yeah, it was a, it wasn't a, a guiding light from Lucasfilm. Uh, mm-hmm. We we in any way sort of drove. I think what it was was more the fandom of these creators and the fact that they uh, they they the deep love for Star Wars, but also kind of like the really deep loves of Star Wars of of people like like us who have, have really you know, gone into the mythology and, and like seen those drafts and seen what led to the ideas that ultimately became this thing we loved. Um, I think a lot of these creators have seen that stuff and have thought about it and have loved this as an opportunity to kind of take some of those ideas and remix them or re- re-look at them and play with them a little bit. Um, but it, it really comes, I think, from depth of knowledge and depth of interest in, in the elements of the Star Wars uh, galaxy. Totally. I think I would do the same thing if given the challenge. Um, I, uh, this is for either whoever wants to answer it. Is there a reason for the order in which the shorts are presented on Disney Plus? Or was that just a creative choice that <laughs> didn't have any meaning? Yeah, they're, 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 uh, I mean, you know, not like a a philosophical meaning behind it, but a a strategic meaning behind it. And and what I mean by that is that that we were so careful at the start of this to make sure that we selected a wide array of studios that that explored all all the kind of textures of, of anime. Um, and so we picked a really diverse array of, of stories from the diverse studios. Um, and so we wanted it to be a ride. We wanted that order to be sort of a, 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 an introduction. The duel is such a great way to start the, the start your journey, take your first steps into a much larger uh, world. Um, and then, you know, and then shift gears a lot. And, and play with tones and play with expectations. So there was a lot of conversation around what was the best order. You know, does this make and break the way you think in mythology? Watch any order. But like, yeah, there were some conscious things around. You know, we, we feel like this will give you a great order of um, what anime has to offer. Yeah, I got to say the very last episode, um, seeing that ending with our main character kind of leaving with the with the villain, and then it was just kind of over. I was like, oh, whoa, like <laughs> I need to sit with that for a second. Um, it, I thought it was so great. And I, I loved that that choice, um, especially to have that kind of as the the ending episode for the series. Something you kind of touched on, James, was the there are these tonal shifts um, depending on like studios and um like the creators and their kind of personal fandom. But one of the other things that really kind of stood out to me was the music throughout all of these episodes. And especially in that last episode, I felt like it was kind of the most unique music I'd really heard in Star Wars. And I was wondering if uh, one of you, I guess, Kanako, if you could talk about the use of sound and of the the music choices in some of these episodes. Sure, uh, for uh, the Ninth Jedi, uh, so it's uh, composed by to- Nobuko Toda and Kazuma Jinochi. And Nobuko Toda, uh, both of them are a huge fan of John Williams. So they are just like, it's like a love letter from them to John Williams. Uh, and both director and uh, 
composer know like what they wanted to achieve. So I, I've been told like there wasn't that much discussion between them. Like they just like know like, okay, we knew it. Like this is what's gonna do. And so it's like, a, it's 20 minutes of like a continuous score like a John Williams did for a Star Wars series. So you see like orchestrations from some of the shorts and some of the shorts explore more different style of the music. So I hope uh, everyone enjoyed the music as well, as well as the animation too, because each of them are very different too. And, the, and then there's a rock band too, as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> Tatooine Rhapsody. They really inform one another, uh, the music <laughs> and the animation. Yeah. Um, we do have one last question, and it is a question that we ask all of our guests on Sky Talkers on our show. And we'll start with you, James, and end with you, Kanako. The question is, if you could have dinner with one Star Wars character, what character would you have dinner with? Huh. Wow, that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> this is a really, this is a foolish choice because <laughs> there is, once you, you know, start down the dark path, like the dark side, where forever will it dominate your path. But I, I would want to have a lunch or, or dinner with Count Dooku. Um, and, and, you know, uh, kind of see what his initial motivations were. Um, and hear it from him, what he thought, if he thought that, you know, he could make a difference and before he um, kind of became what he became. Um, of course, I know uh, he, he's already far too lost. So this is a, a very stupid choice on my part. I end up getting a lightsaber for me, but at least it would be a good conversation. He seems like a good. Um, I love Ewok <laughs> so much. So I really wanted to join that like a bonfire and dinner party that they had in episode six. So yeah, that would be my dream. Yeah, Buffett. I love that answer. Thank you both so much. And I know we're at time. So again, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. All right, so that was our interview with James and Kanako, the producers of Star Wars Visions. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, they were honestly a delight to talk to, and it was really great just to to have, to be honest, Charlotte and I have done a few of these interviews this year, which has been really great, and we're really lucky, but they've always been, uh, we've only gotten to ask like one or two questions in those interviews. They were with a, a larger group of people, a roundtable, which was really fun, uh, but being able to have like a dedicated 15 minutes this time around was was really nice for us, and we really enjoyed kind of going through a little bit more in depth, some additional questions and stuff like that. So we're really grateful to Lucasfilm and Disney for giving us the opportunity, and yeah, we, we just had a great time with visions and if i can share a little a little personal detail is that it was my birthday the day that i got the screeners for visions so i got to ring in my birthday watching brand new star wars which is kind of the the best thing ever <laughs> so it kind of it, it made me it made my birthday it made the experience of visions kind of that much sweeter to to be getting to watch new star wars as i was getting like happy birthday texts and stuff so it was just a good time was had um so i just i really enjoyed that so i just i wanted to share with you guys too <laughs> i have never had a star wars birthday uh experience like a theater experience never had nothing has ever come out of my birthday for a star oh well, actually an episode of, oh, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe an episode of Bad Batch came out on my birthday this year, but feels a little different. I don't know why. It just does. It's not <laughs> well, like we, a brand new series. We would have been like mid-season, not like yeah, know, episode exactly. one, that kind of thing. Exactly. So it's just different. Okay. So let's just start. So Caitlin, if you could give uh, 
quick two-sentence synopsis of your emotions about visions. Please go. It was so fun. The emotions were all over the place uh, because the sh- the shorts were all over the place in in a good way. Obviously, <laughs> that was short. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like how you're like I expect you to be long winded, but you know what? I kept it cool, kept it together, kept the things. <laughs> um, I would say that I was surprised in the like breadth of themes and tone that the series explored and. Each episode definitely provided something brand new. And I honestly, every time I clicked to the next one, I never knew exactly what I was going to get. I really explore, I really enjoyed all the different explorations of color. We talked to the uh, producers about that. Um, I loved the music. I thought some of them were fun, some of them were sad, some of them were romantic, and some of them were, most of them were really action packed. And I also really appreciated that because. There's something about anime that's like the over-the-top action is just so fun and so cool that I was so excited to see that in Star Wars. And that's the thing also about Visions. You know, you were really short-winded and I'm being really long-winded. The, <laughs> um, the thing about Visions that I thought was so great too was that everything felt like Star Wars to me. Nothing – like I was like, oh, yes, this is within the world of Star Wars. This is some – yes, it might be a planet that I don't recognize because – it's this isn't a canon thing, right? It might not be the timeline I'm familiar with, or but like I'm just gonna put that all in a box and just enjoy this timeless story and whatever this is trying to tell me within 17 minutes. And I just felt like I I got so much out of each of these episodes and I felt like they've really in, enforced like my own perception of the themes of Star Wars and things that I just really enjoy about Star Wars. Um, and I loved them. Caitlin, which one was your favorite? I just don't know. Um, <laughs> the two – okay, I'll tell you the two I cried in. Um, okay. The two I cried in were uh, to- Toby, T-O-B-1, T-O-B-1, and then also in Lapanocho. I cried in both of those. Um but my favorite, I kind of think it's a toss between the Ninth Jedi um, and then Akakiri. I think this is so interesting that you and I have different favorites. Right. I don't know why happens. I didn't expect that. Yeah. So my favorite is hands down, no question, The Village Bride. I felt like I was watching a manifestation of a Star Wars story that I wanted to see so bad. I felt like that was yeah. so – like when I say romantic, I mean it in like all senses of that word. Like I love the sweeping vistas. I love the the dark character who reminded me a lot of Kylo Ren in the sensibilities. And then I was like, oh my God, this is like a Luke figure. It was so crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I just had a really like great – something that I just think Visions did really well was that it let my imagination kind of run wild where – I would watch something and be like, oh, this reminds me of X character. This reminds me of X theme in Star Wars. But it wasn't that. And it was a different expression of that. And sometimes they just ended sort of – they sort of ended in the way that I don't think a Star Wars movie would have ended or something like that. Like, And the the ability to have that sort of freedom to express that was just such a joy. Yeah, I think – I mean, I, I loved The Village Bride. The thing is, I, I really enjoyed all of them, right? We were just talking about this in an earlier episode about um, ranking and how it's hard to actually rank Star Wars because even if I say that something 
you know, like ranked one through 10 or whatever, I still love number one or number 10, whatever way you're ranking it. You know, it's, I love them all. But the Vill- the Village Bride was so it was this manifestation of like so many themes that I wanted to see in Star Wars <laughs> and like explicitly just kind of this like beautiful story of these these two kids who are married and you know just trying to to save their village and like that's what they got to do. Um yeah. and then you have of course, you know, the um the expression of the force on this planet as I think it's it was called magi it was like a form of magic basically but it's Mm -hmm. the force and i thought that was just really lovely and you know when you're watching the english version we have christopher sean as asu in that episode which was really fun i gotta say caitlin and i did not recognize any of the voice actors is that what you're about to say because we like did not when it would be like oh wow that's interesting didn't didn't know that (laughs) yeah the the only voice i recognize and i think this is kind of funny because I've only ever watched one of his movies was Henry Golding. He was the only voice I recognized when he started um, speaking. I was like, oh, that's Henry Golding. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. I think that the reason I love the Ninth Jedi and Akakiri so much is because they like the plot twists in those episodes really kind of. I was I was shocked. Mm-hmm, me too. <laughs> and I I don't think I was expecting I don't think I was expecting kind of the levels of emotions that were going through kind of all these shorts. I think I expected them to be like snapshots of Star Wars and I'm not really sure. I think that was kind of the fun thing about Visions is that even in the title like you kind of have no idea what was coming at you. And I mean even in Akakiri to see our main character kind of go to the dark side at the end of it and then it just ends I thought was such a great choice and and then with Ninth Jedi and the lightsaber I mean raise your hand if you've listened to lightsaber color theory the Skywalker's <laughs> episode <laughs> when they started that I was like oh my god <laughs> I know it's so true but uh, yeah I, I just when all those lightsabers turned on and they were all red I was again shocked <laughs> I know. I completely agree. I I also really, really, really enjoyed the twins, which I think is one that I thought I was going to like anyway. From based off the synopsis, I was like, this is just so cool. The concept is great. I thought, you know, some of the visuals of like the sort of like gestation of the twins in the very beginning, I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then also when I was talking about um sort of this imagination of like this character is like this one, this one is like this one. It's hard not to imagine Luke and Leia in this situation, and I also think that's a really cool sort of a, a thought exercise to think about. I, and I one that I personally have done myself about like what if Luke and Leia were raised in the Empire or something like that. Um, but and I, obviously this one is very different. But I also really liked the overall message of like your path isn't decided for you, which is something that Caitlin and I have talked about so much on the show that I feel is like your destiny is not your destiny. I also feel like that was mentioned in one of these. I need to rewatch. And I was like, this sentence, (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Yeah. I don't know. One of the things too, like, I mean, if you've listened to Sky Talkers for any amount of time, you know, we're always about the angst in Star Wars. Star Wars is tragedy. But I think the whimsical episodes in Visions really kind of 
overwhelmed me with how cute and lovable they were like our force sensitive droid was just adorable that that whole short the animation in it was just so whimsical and cute and bubbly and um like i said i cried when the master died and then when he was like i'm gonna go finish what my master started it just oh man loved it Mm -hmm. but then i think i think one that a lot of people are gonna like is tatooine rhapsody and it just it was kind of like so surprising to do this like rock band in space and Boba Fett at the behest of Jabba is hunting one of the members of the band and they're going to let him play one last set before they <laughs> execute. I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> but they win everyone over with their music. I just <laughs> I thought it was it was so fun and I had a really good time with that episode and um yeah, I just I thought it was really fun and being back on Tatooine and the pod raising it just it you know what it reminded me of when they were all playing it up like at, on the stage in Tatooine and you know they're doing the big like long panning shots of the band. I was like, you know, you remember all those memes with the Knights of Ren and people saying they were like a boy band in episode nine on the cliff? <laughs> so true. I was like, we're we're getting the same kind of shots here, but it's actually a band this time. Well, do you remember that uh, poster? I think I tweeted about this a while ago, and it it went like semi viral. Honestly, of remember that poster that was legitimately everywhere in like two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six of Luke, yeah. Leia, Han, and Chewie and um r2 like rocking out at a rock band it was yeah. literally my ipod cover and i was reminded of those vibes which i also think, also think is really funny because that entire like i said it was everywhere so yeah it was <laughs> it's not hard to imagine like a rock band in star wars for me because i've already i've seen that image like so many times yeah. and I, I just – I really, really enjoyed that one, which just surprises me because it was so silly. And I, I don't know. I kind of like am someone who's like, yeah, I want the deep stuff, you know? Serious. But that one to me was – yeah. But that one to me was so fun and I – I just really loved it. And that one's also the only one that has like recurring Star Wars characters in it. And I thought it worked really well too. Yeah. And um, I thought the the Jabba animation was so cute when he's tapping his tail in time to the to so the band. I thought it was so cute. I was like, you've made Jabba cute. <laughs> yeah. It, I loved that droid too in that episode. Yeah, so yeah. That episode kind of had the most people that we were familiar with voicing. You had Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Jay, Bobby Moynihan as Geezer, Mark Thompson, Shelby Young, and Tab Morrison as Boba Fett. So it was a lot of people that we're very familiar with in the Star Wars world. And I kind of love that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is back when he had that like random voice in The Last Jedi, and now he's here <laughs> in Visions too. <laughs> I kind of love that. But it was it was such a ride going through all of these episodes, especially if you watch them in a chunk. It's it's definitely an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> um, like literally to go from the duel to Tatooine Rhapsody, you could not get more night and day. No, you're so right. You're so right. Okay, let's go through each of them and kind of give like a two sentence thoughts about each of them. Let's start with the duel. I would say that my two sentence thought was this was kind of exactly what I had imagined this would be, except some things really surprised me. I loved the villain in this, and I really, really liked the sort of coloring of the animation and just the visuals of it all. I thought it was so unique, so special, and it makes sense that it would start with this. Yeah. Yeah, this kind of felt like the perfect one to start with. Um, I loved the line of Ronan 
telling the the person who's helping him of I need the droid to be fully operational by the time this pot boils. <laughs> I don't know why that just kind of tickled me. And uh, the umbrella Sith lightsaber was was so cool. Hat droid is everything, by the way. I just want to say is. that yeah. hat droid is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way when he was ready, he just came, you know, guns blazing. Quite literally, it was perfect. <laughs> I that one. Um, okay, so Tatooine Rhapsody. I I th- feel like we just kind of talked a little bit more about this one, um, and like I said, we don't want to go too in depth because we're going to do something later. But I just really, I just had such a fun time with this one. It felt like the start of a movie, like it really did. Of this kid, this like coming of age story for this kid, Jay. Yes, totally. It reminded me of a coming of age movie. It really did. It was like a rom-com almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the twins. Um, I kind of talked about this, but I don't think you got a chance to. I think that the the twins, I think it was kind of what I thought it was going to be in a lot of ways based on what we saw from the trailer. But one of the kind of things that I liked about it too is even in the backgrounds, a lot of the backgrounds in that episode are symmetrical which I thought was just a really nice kind of mm-hmm. continuation of the theme of the twins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like ending with the twin sons and everything. Again, yeah. I like I said, I feel like this one had the most um, recognizable visual language to it, but really upped with, with the sort of punk animation style, I felt like. Yeah. It was – I loved it. You're so right. I think in the notes you wrote bold colors and pop art inspired. And yes, it was that. And the fact that they could – you they were using – there's something so cool about the series that like things that just wouldn't have – doesn't work in Star Wars. Like just based off of like – I know no one likes to debate the whole astrophysics level or of anything, but there's several things in <laughs> visions that just would not translate to canon Star Wars. But like that doesn't matter. It was just so cool to witness because we're not yeah. going to get that in canon Star Wars. We get it here where it's this really joyful exploration of these crazy sort of techniques that we all want to see, but know it's not possible. Yeah. Not possible yet because yeah, not possible I'm yet. all about the, uh, the astral plane in Star Wars. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so true. Our next episode is The Village Bride, which I think we did kind of discuss a little bit more in depth. But uh, in my notes, I wrote, would die for this couple already. And that was yeah. kind of immediately when they came on screen. <laughs> I also want to mention that this was sort of a very overt reference to like the separatists, which made me think that the studio that created this might have been like heavy watchers of the Clone Wars or something like that because the Separatist to me is like such a like talking about using the droid army and the Separatist army and like talking about that is so specific to the prequel era. I also want to mention that in Tatooine Rhapsody that was also very like prequels inspired too which is really cool to think about the people who are working on these shorts and what they were inspired by with Star Wars and where that all started and for them you know um but I, I I just felt really grounded in this episode. Like I said, this one was my favorite because for me, it did sort of feel like a Clone Wars episode. Yeah, it <laughs> it's did. It's like small scale um, invasion, this like planet takeover and what does it mean and what does it reveal about the nature of the force? I loved it. It was so good. Okay, so the next one is the Ninth Jedi, which was, um, I believe, our longest one. It felt like that to me because it felt like it was loaded with a lot of story and it felt like a mini movie in a way because this one felt like as much as it didn't conclude, it felt like it had a very complete story in it. 
Yeah. I loved it because there was so much shock value in the lightsaber colors revealing their true intentions, which is something that should have always been a part of Star Wars, in my opinion, because <laughs> it's so cool and dramatic. It's so cool. And, and her Kara's lightsaber being like transparent or like black, not fully formed, like devoid of color because her path has not been decided yet. Um, so cool. I love it. This one might be my favorite. I think this is going to be a really popular one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. I think everyone, at least like on Twitter, everyone I feel like is talking the most about the twins. But mm-hmm. I think I think the ninth, I think my favorites are going to be. I feel like a lot of the people, like a lot of Raylos, are really going to love the ninth Jedi and Akakiri. And I agree with the that. Village Bride. Uh, yeah, the Village you know, Bride. We love romance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I loved the ninth Jedi. Uh, Simu Lu was uh, the father. In the Ninth Jedi, which is great. Charlotte and I just both saw Shang Chi recently and had a great time in that movie. And then Masi Oka was Ethan, and Masi Oka, uh, he played Hero in the show Heroes. And I was a huge fan of the show Heroes when I was younger. So when I saw his name, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, so then Episode Six is Toby or T O B one or T O zero B one. I don't know. <laughs> I. We referenced this in our interview before. We both really enjoyed it. It was so whimsical. I felt like I was falling in love with each frame of this entire story. Um, it was, of course, very Pinocchio inspired. I was so happy that he like outright said that because I didn't want to say that because, of course, that's an Italian tale. That's not a Japanese tale. So it was great to see it sort of incorporated here. And um, yeah. I loved it. It was so great and so emotional. And just like Caitlin said, she cried in it. I also cried in it. Very emo. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, my notes in this one said, dare to be cute, which, you know, the infamous George Lucas quote, dare to be cute. And they really went with that in this episode. And I just, I love the notion of this whole family of droids creating life and, like becoming life themselves throughout this episode. I thought I thought it was just it was really lovely. Yeah, maybe it's because I'm a fan of Princess Mononoke, but I felt like some of these had a lot of like environmentalist undertones and just sort of this like pursuit in like science to create life and to form life on an otherwise dead planet. And I felt that way also about this sort of connection to nature in The Village Bride as well. And I just felt like those themes are really strong and definitely come through in sort of Japanese storytelling. Yeah, I felt like that in this episode as well. Yeah. Our next episode was The Elder. And The Elder kind of felt the most familiar in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. This master and apprentice going to the outer rim to – you know, see what's been going on, you know, sensing something in the force. It felt very familiar. And I really liked the relationship between the master and apprentice. You had Jordan Fisher as Dan, the apprentice, and then David Harbour as the master. And one of probably my favorite part of the episode was the very end when uh, the master said to his Padawan, you will get stronger. Do not forget your training or your kindness. And that kind of last bit of don't forget your kindness either just felt it felt so Star Wars, and I really, I really, I really liked that part of the episode. I don't mean this as a slight, but I sort of really appreciated that ending of that line of "Do not forget your training or your kindness." Like that ending of your kindness is what I want Star Wars to be overt with 
as many times as they possibly can. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I want them to talk about those sort of emotions as 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 many times as possible. I think sometimes things are really left under the surface with Star Wars and that leaves us for the ability to discuss them and think about the intentions and have a whole podcast about theorizing and things like that. But so often I, I just wish like that that line in so many lines in this entire series were like, yes, you nailed it. You nailed how at least I perceive Star Wars. And you just like added another layer to it and like icing, if you will, where you underlined the sentence, I guess, <laughs> of what I think it, the theme is. And that was a really good example. Yeah, it totally was. Okay. So our next one is Lapinocho, which is so good. <laughs> I loved this one. I loved the bunny girl and everything. I just thought it was so great. Um, what do you think of it? For me, this episode felt a lot like an episode of Avatar with like kind of how it, I was like, the, when it started, I was like, there is no more embossing say. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> with like the cities and uh, the, the empire coming in. I think it was the empire. But I, I really loved this episode. And again, it kind of took you for an emotional ride, I think, with Ocho who wanted to make Lop a part of their family and she you start the episode with her saying something along the lines of like in time we'll be a real family and then um you know her and their father are completely kind of torn apart by both wanting the same thing at the end of the day and just going in very different directions and you have Lop who's kind of in the middle of it um you know, wanting to make sure that her family stays together. And the passing on of the lightsaber, I thought that was such like a a beautiful scene between Lop and her father. Um, And then at the very end, when you have Lop kind of repeat the line of, you know, in a little bit of time, we'll be a proper family. The line is something like that. Um, As Osho like kind of goes away with the Empire, with the First Order. And I don't know, it broke my heart a little bit. Again, like these these episodes weren't necessarily concluded, which I think is really great. But um, yeah, this one really kind of tugged at my heartstrings. Me too. I was emotionally wrecked by the end of this one. And I thought so much of this episode was pretty cool too. Like I really liked the visuals in it. And yeah. Okay, and then our final episode was Akakiri, and this one, like I said, this one kind of really took me by surprise. The The use of red in this episode was so great, and the this kind of like electronic drum music, I don't really know how to describe it, but it stood out so much, and I think seeing this journey of this Jedi and this princess who has been exiled but is, you know, coming back to the the castle, the palace, the temple to to try and get control again and seeing the choice that Akakiri finally makes in the end and following following through with it and leaving with with the bad guy, with the Sith, with the dark side, whatever it was called, um, I don't know. I was just I was really kind of shocked that they went there and concluded it that way. But I I really enjoyed it. Me too. I felt like this episode was really dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and not just like tonally. It was the darkest of them all, and that's why we asked that question in the interview about like the order of the way these episodes are because to leave on this note is ominous but it leaves me more intrigued for to go back and start over again instead of because it doesn't really end on a hopeful note you know what I mean which isn't yeah. very Star Wars but at the same time it was awesome <laughs> like, so and this cool. entire episode was so cool so like maybe that's the part of it that was amazing yeah. um to leave on but I thought 
I don't know. This is one that I think I'm going to return to a lot. Like yeah. it, it was just done so well. And my jaw was on the floor by the very end, which is, again, the reason why they finished it with this one, because you're like, man, that was awesome at the very <laughs> end, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you have any final thoughts about Lucasfilm's choice to uh, embark on a project like this? I think it was great. I hope we see more of this. I hope we see some of these types of stories incorporated into, you know, quote unquote, canon proper, you know, Mm -hmm. and like really kind of taking these, like we've been talking about this for a long time, like really stylized anime animation and pulling it into like a feature film kind of thing. I think, I think it'd be amazing. And all of the studios that were involved in Visions, I mean, any one of them, I would want to see take on a project like that, like that. Um, Me too. But you, even if it never comes to that, I hope there are more series. Like, like I hope there's a season two visions that's just all brand new, all over again with you know some of the same studios, completely new studios. You know, this just it, it felt so familiar, but every episode was surprising, and that it was so fun. It was really fun. I loved it, and I'm with you. I I just want to commend like Lucasfilm slate of projects for doing something like this because this feels, for lack of a better term, out of the box for fresh. what. Yeah, it feels really fresh. I think that they've been killing it with their projects. Like I, I loved everything that has come out. Right, like in terms of Disney Plus projects, like everything has been fantastic. But this feels like a so different and different in the absolute best way. And I know that, you know, the Matrix did something similar with Animatrix and this concept of different studios coming together to um, create shorts based off of a property that's really popular in the United States and things like that, or just worldwide, right? I really just think this concept is so cool because especially for Star Wars, which has been so inspired by uh, Japanese culture and film in the past. Like this feels like a way for Lucasfilm to kind of put the story in their hands, a story that has been so influenced, like I mentioned, with Japanese culture. So it just felt right. It feels right. That's what is so cool about this. Everything feels so different, but it also feels so absolutely fresh and completely Star Wars. And yes, I want a season two and I want more projects like these that really kind of push the boundaries. I'm just so thankful for this. And this is like the best fall surprise, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah, no, it really was. We had such a great time. So I think that is going to wrap up this episode all about visions, kind of this introductory episode about visions. I hope you guys enjoyed going through the series itself on Disney Plus. And I hope you enjoyed our interview with the producers, Kanako and James. We had a really great time talking to them. If you want to hear more from us, you can find us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod or our personal handles. Charlotte's is at Clarity and mine is at Caitlin Plusher. We also have our website, SkyTalkers.com, our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok account. You can find us on all of those social media platforms. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you took a couple seconds to go and leave us a rating or a review. It helps other people find the show. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our different reward tiers there. I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Logan, Colin, Molly, Catherine, Ashley, Rad, Lindsay, Froppy, Kat, Dave, Chris, Claxton, Kelly, Amy, Nathan, Allison, 
Kevin and Mercedes. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Thank you.